Oh, praise God. God's good, isn't he? Hallelujah. Well, it's Pentecost Sunday. So what passage could we possibly read on Pentecost Sunday? Lamentations. Now, uh, turning your Bible to Acts chapter 2, that would be a good place to start, wouldn't it? On Monday, I was I was flying back from um, from the U.S. and I um, I entered the aeroplane and I was looking at my ticket and trying to find my seat and I realized I hate this when it's a long haul flight. I was in the middle seat on a night flight and so um, I, I was the first one on the, on the row and so I sit down and uh, someone sits this side of me. And everyone's coming onto the, the airplane and one by one I'm kind of looking and I'm praying, please let it not be a fat person, Jesus. <laughs> um, and everyone comes on and there are, there are five free seats, um, three in front of me, one behind me and the one next to me. Uh, but I realized that the, the cabin doors are still open. Um, so obviously people were coming in a little bit late. And uh, the flight attendant announced over the tannoy and said, just to let you know, this is a fully, um, fully booked flight. Um, so you need to kind of make sure all your hand luggage and everything's out of the way and up in the bins. And uh, three people then come on and uh, they take the three seats in front of me. And so I go into intercession. I'm like, Jesus, if there is any way... And, um, and they're just about to close the doors and one other person comes on. And it's like, is it going to be the seat next to me or the seat behind me? So this is where Pentecost is relevant because we believe in praying in the Holy Spirit, right? And so I, I'm, I'm sat there, shikaro sokora. And they come and they look at me and then there's that moment of recognition that we match eyes and then they turn and they move and sit right behind me and the doors are shut and the only free seat on the entire plane is next to me. Um, so praise God. Yes. Yeah, so um, so I, I don't have to talk to anyone the whole flight. Amen. What an awesome evangelist I am. Um, Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Praise God. Who knows it's good to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, what a significant day this is. Um, just to kind of give you the timeline, Jesus has died on the cross. He's been buried three days later. He's rose again. He's appeared to his disciples. And, and sometimes we miss this because it's not actually, um, the, the conversations are not recorded in the Bible. But Jesus actually appears to his disciples uh, for about 40 days um, after his resurrection teaching them about the kingdom of God. 
Then he ascends to heaven, and the disciples gather together, 120 of them. Maybe there are a little bit more to start with. I don't know. Maybe some of them kind of dropped off. Uh, but for 10 days, 120 men, women, they gather together in the upper room. They're praying. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And then day 10, the fire falls. The wind comes, and men and women become temples of God filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the day that the church is born and 2,000 years later, here we are on Pentecost Sunday, people filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, there are more people filled with the Holy Spirit, more people speaking in tongues, more Pentecostal charismatic Christians alive right now than at any other point in all of history. Amen, that's exciting, right? So what I was uh, kind of thinking about um, today, or, or as I was preparing rather, was this question, why Pentecost? Said that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, God sent the Holy Spirit. Now when we think of Pentecost as Pentecostal Christians, we think of Acts chapter 2. We think of the Holy Spirit, we think of tongues, we think of fire. But the day of Pentecost was actually a Jewish feast or festival that had been celebrated for thousands of years before Acts chapter 2. So there were several Jewish feasts and festivals that took place throughout the year. But there were kind of three big ones. There was Passover, then there was a, pe a feast of Pentecost, and then there was a Feast of Tabernacles a little bit later on in the year. God chose the day of Pentecost as the day when he would send the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, although they've been praying for 10 days, who knows, God could have sent the Holy Spirit at any point. I don't think necessarily day 10 they were praying any more powerfully than day eight or nine. God could have sent the Holy Spirit on day eight, day nine. He could have sent the Holy Spirit on day 11. But he chose the day of Pentecost as the day when he would send the Holy Spirit. So what I want us to look at just briefly over the next few minutes is four significant things about the day of Pentecost. And to kind of ask ourselves a question, was it a coincidence that God chose this day above all days to send the Holy Spirit? The first thing we need to know about the day of Pentecost was this, that it was known as the feast of the harvest. So it was the Jewish equivalent of a harvest festival. So if you get the idea that winter has been and gone, the farmers have gone out, they've planted the seed, they've watered the seed, that the seed has been growing, plants have been coming up, the harvest has been coming up. And on the day of Pentecost, that was the day when they would pick the first fruits of the harvest. And they would come together and thank God for the harvest that was coming in. Do you think it's a coincidence that the Holy Spirit was given 
at harvest time. Absolutely not. Because the Holy Spirit is intrinsically linked with the harvest, the salvation of souls. Men and women coming to Jesus, coming into the kingdom. Jesus himself said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is going to give you the power and the anointing and the boldness to bring in the harvest. Not a harvest of wheat or corn or beans, but a harvest of men and women being born again into the kingdom of God. Can someone say amen? Uh, we see this right there on the day of Pentecost. Peter, who just a few days before this is so shy and timid that he ends up denying Jesus when confronted by a serving girl. Now the power of the Holy Spirit comes on him. He stands up, he boldly proclaims sin and repentance and the cross and the name of Jesus. And 3,000 people in one day are born into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit comes on you to make you an effective witness, to make you anointed and bold and powerful in the harvest field to see men and women come to Jesus. Um, it, it's interesting that when we think of speaking in tongues and we, we kind of often talk about our heavenly language, you know, can everyone begin to just pray in the heavenly language? Uh, but on the day of Pentecost, when they spoke in tongues, it was actually a human language that they never learnt before, that God gave them supernaturally so that they could communicate the gospel in a way that everyone could understand. And um, it's interesting that about 100 years ago, when the Holy Spirit fell on Azusa Street, and the God really restored back to the church uh, the theology of speaking in tongues, they believed in Azusa Street that when you spoke in tongues, that that was a earthly language that God gave you, and that was the nation that God was sending you to on mission. And so I'd heard about this when I'd studied the Azusa Street Revival, but I was in a church last Sunday in Indiana, and the pastor was about to go on a mission trip to Greece. And I said, oh, what's your connection to Greece? And he said, oh, about 80, 90 years ago, um, a lady in our church was baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, and they worked out that she was speaking Greek. And so the church just assumed, well, you're called to be a missionary to Greece. And so they sent her out and she planted a church in Greece. And now 80, 90 years later, uh, that church is still sending people to that, to that church in Greece. Now, I wouldn't necessarily hold to that theology as tightly as that. But I love this idea that the moment someone is filled in the Holy Spirit, we say, right, where's your mission field? Right, where is God sending you? Uh, Jesus appeared to his disciples. He, he said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then he breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
When you receive the Holy Spirit, you become a sent one. And listen, you could be sent to Greece. You could be sent to Colombia. You could be sent to your next door neighbor. You could be sent to your workplace. But the principle is the same. The Holy Spirit makes you a sent one. Pentecost is about the harvest. Um, I remember one of the, 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 the first mission trips I did uh, was to Argentina. And um, it was a long, long way away from home. Still is, it's not moved. Um, it cost a lot of money to go there. Um, and I ended up in this tiny, tiny village after traveling uh, all day, all night, one of the most horrendous journeys I've been on. This tiny village called Chankani. The name means the end of the road. Um, yeah. Um, there's, there, it's a small town of about 500 people. Um, lots, very dark, lots of real bad stuff happening in this town, which I won't get into. And there's this tiny church of about eight people there. And here I am, kind of, you go on mission first time, you think you're going to be Reinhard Bonke. You travel all this way, and you're ending up with the, in this church of about eight people. And I remember sitting in the back of the car of the missionary that had taken me there. And do you ever complain at God? And, um, and this was my complaint. God, why on earth have you brought me here? And as I said that, I looked up. And over the road, there was this young lady, um, probably 21, 22 years old. And God said, I brought you here for her. And I knew for whatever reason, God had sent me all the way from England to this remote village in the middle of nowhere to reach this one person. And so I, I went to the pastor. I said, who is that? And he said, it's my daughter. And she's gone away from God and she's rebelled and she's in a relationship with this guy and neither of them want anything to do with God or church and, and it's broken our hearts and, and we've been praying and interceding and crying out for God to touch our daughter. Um, and he, God sent me. You know, God will always send someone in response to your prayers. Even if he has to send them from across the world. And um, that night, I preached the gospel to about eight, nine people in the town square. It wasn't particularly glamorous. Um, and two people got saved. One was the pastor's daughter called Barbara. The other was her boyfriend, Alejandro. And um, <clears throat> both of them were, were kneeling in the dust. It was in the middle of the street. There was no music, no lights, nothing. And for about an hour, I'm praying over them, prophesying over them. There, there's tears, there's snot. God is just totally wrecking them. And um, about a year later, 18 months later, um, I was back in Chankany. Steve was with me. And uh, in this town of about 500 people, we saw about 90 people give their lives to Jesus. And um, a couple of years after that, um, I was there again, Maggie was there, Bill was there, and uh, again, we saw about 60, 70 people, a lot of them children, give their lives to Jesus. Today, there's a thriving church in that town with a huge youth group and the youth leaders, uh, Barbara and her husband, Alejandra. 
And God, God spoke to me. We saw lots and lots of miracles. God spoke to me and said, if you'll always be willing to go anywhere just to reach one person with the gospel, you'll always see the power of God at work in your ministry. And I, wanna, I would just want to encourage you today. Who's your one? The Holy Spirit, to a Jew, sorry, the day of Pentecost for a Jew was not, nothing to do with tongues or manifestations or prophecy or healing. That would come later. But primarily, it was to do with the harvest. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, he, you become a combine harvester in God's harvest field. Who is your one this week? It might be one person at work. It might be one family member. It might be one person on your street who you can have a conversation with. Invite them to church. Tell them that Jesus loves them. Say, I'm praying for you. Share your testimony with them. That is why the Holy Spirit is here. Can we say amen? And then the second significant thing about the day of Pentecost, uh, firstly, it was to do with the harvest. Secondly, it was a pilgrim feast. So basically what this meant was that all of the Jewish people that were scattered all over the world and also all the Gentile converts to Judaism who were scattered all over the world, they would come together in Jerusalem to worship Jehovah to worship Yahweh so that's why um, a little bit later on in the chapter you've got people from all these different countries who all speak different languages who are all from different tribes and nations and colors and creeds and cultures they're all gathered together in the same city to worship the same God so Pentecost was a, an incredible time of unity. Is it a coincidence that the Holy Spirit came on this day of unity? No, because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of unity. Paul tells us that he talks about the unity of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it fascinating that in the book of Genesis, all the people are united, but in opposition to God. And so what does God do? He confuses their tongue and he gives them all a different tongue so that no one can understand each other. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he gives them tongues that enable everyone to communicate and everyone to understand what is being said. The Holy Spirit brings unity where there's division. Don't we live in a world that is incredibly divided? And we have to understand that the media plays a, it's actually a game where they divide everyone up. And so now, whether it's black and white, male or female, rich or poor, right or left politically, leave or remain, everyone is in your own tribe, your own category. You know, I've just been in America where this kind of division is insane. And, and more and more it's, it's becoming like that over here. 
But the Holy when we're gathered together here this morning, none of that matters. Because the Holy Spirit has brought us together and we're united. You know, it doesn't matter what our skin color is, what our background is, what our nationality is. It doesn't matter who we vote for. It doesn't matter what our interests are. We're united in worship of one God, one Savior. You know, look around this room this morning. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would never be in the same room together. But the Holy Spirit has brought us together. And we're one family, one tribe, one purpose, one vision, which is to see revival in the, in the nations of the world, which is to worship Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And you know, the unity of the Holy Spirit is not just here in church, but that Holy, that Holy Spirit unity can be in our homes, it can be in our marriages, it can be among our children. I was in a church last week, I was preaching, a guy came up, he said, oh, you preached at my church last year. He said, I'll never forget it. He said, you preached on communion. And he said, as me and my wife came to the table and took, and took communion together after you preached, God restored our marriage. That's what the Holy Spirit can do, right? Wouldn't this world be a lot better if there was more love? If there was more peace? If people were more gentle, more patient, more kind? Wouldn't there be less divorce if faithfulness was an intrinsic value? If self-control was something that we lived in? Well, all of these things are the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes and he brings unity. He brings order. He brings peace and harmony. Amen. Third significant thing about the day of Pentecost, and this is more of a traditional Jewish thing rather than we find this in the scripture, but Jewish tradition was that the day of Pentecost was the day when Moses gave the law, the Ten Commandments, to Israel. So Moses comes on the day of Pentecost and he gives them the Ten Commandments and all the purity laws. Do this, don't do that, obey this, be holy, be righteous or you're in trouble. And the whole history from that day on until this moment in Acts 2 is the people of God trying their best to keep the law trying their best to live for God and being unable to do it. Now, who knows? There was nothing wrong with the law. Paul said the law was good. Problem is we're not good. We can't do it. So now on this day of Pentecost, God says, I'm not going to give you the law. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you the power to do what you couldn't do in your own strength the Holy Spirit is going to change your mind he's going to change your heart he's going to change your desires he's going to give you a desire 
to live for God. He's going to give you the grace. He's going to give you the power. He's going to give you the ability to do what you could not do in your own strength. You no longer have to live for God through self-effort, through self-improvement, from trying your hardest. But now the power of the Holy Spirit is so going to transform your life that holiness, that righteousness, that purity, that living for God is not something that you're going to do apart from him, but it's something that God is going to do through you. It's good news, right? Again, it's one of those cool kind of Bible things that when God gave the law in Exodus, 3,000 people were struck down dead because they failed day one. But on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people are saved. The same number. The law brings death, but the Spirit gives life. Um, Marion quoted a verse in, in our, our, our leaders forum on Wednesday. I think it's in First Peter, where Peter says that his divine power, the power of the Holy Spirit, has given you everything you need for life and for godliness. You can live godly through the power of the Holy Spirit. His Spirit gives you the power to do what the law you could not do in your own strength. If you're struggling with sin today, if you're struggling to live for God, the answer is not try harder. It's be filled with the Spirit. Get a new mind. Get a new heart. Let the Holy Spirit give you power. Can you say amen? amen? So the day of Pentecost, it was a day, it was harvest time. It was a time of unity. It was a time when the law was given. And here's the final one. It was a feast of joy. I was looking in my study Bible at all the different, there's about eight or nine feasts. And there's a little description after each one. So it would say, like, um, the Day of Atonement, a somber festival. Or the Day of Unleavened Bread, a time of repentance and reflection. And when it came to Pentecost, it just said this, a festival of joy. And it was the most joyful of all the Jewish festivals. In fact, if you read in Deuteronomy... God commanded his people on the day of Pentecost, you will celebrate, you will rejoice, which I always kind of feel defeats the object a little bit. But, um, but he commanded them to rejoice. He commanded them to celebrate. Is it a coincidence that the Holy Spirit was given on the most joyful day of the year? No. Because the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Book of Hebrews and in the Psalms, it tells us that joy is an anointing of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 16 says that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. There's this beautiful verse in the book of Luke about Jesus. And it says, Jesus, full of joy. In the Holy Spirit. And if you study that phrase in the Greek, it literally means that Jesus rejoiced with exuberance. 
He skipped, he leapt, and he danced. You know, Jesus was the most joyful person that ever walked the face of the earth. That's what Hebrews says. He was anointed with joy above his companions. And you know what Jesus prayed in John 15 about me and you? He said, I pray that my joy, not Andrew's joy, not James's joy or Jared's joy, because we can be a bit grumpy sometimes. Our joy can be up and down. But the joy of Jesus, the joy that caused him to leap and dance and skip, the joy, with joy he endured the cross. Joy can, joy can enable you to endure anything. Jesus said, I pray that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be full, complete, overflowing running over the joy of the Lord is healing the book of Proverbs tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength Nehemiah tells us and the joy of the Lord transcends our circumstances the Holy Spirit came on the most joyful day of the year because he is a spirit of joy and this morning he wants to fill every one of us with his joy.